0: Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here. And welcome to episode 123 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to offer tips, tools, strategies and education that can help us get the most out of our business and personal relationships. Um, So welcome to today's episode, episode 123, when boundary setting will not work. Um, I'm I'm highly interested in the area of boundaries um, and the areas in which um, boundary setting can add to our Uh, our life experience and, and, you know, setting parameters for people around what is okay treatment and what isn't Um, and where boundary setting sometimes um, uh, the rules or what works in boundary setting can change quite significantly. Um, There's a lot of kind of generalised advice around people dynamics that... um, is very effective if you're talking about people in a normal range of functioning. Um, the, the paradox is that um, when the people who we most need to set boundaries with are also going to be the people that are most likely to completely ignore or find their way around or steamroller over those boundaries. So that, that's the irony. Um, those that we most need to set boundaries with are the least likely to respect our boundaries, and the and with the people who are of moderate functioning, um, uh, uh, good, um, a good level of conscious uh, conscience, and uh, respectful and uh, conscientious and and agreeable and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the irony is, we we probably don't need much um, as far as boundary setting there because. These people are used to working for win-win scenarios, they're used to um, equality, they're used to um, uh, an altruistic or group-focused approach, um, and can fit, mould, and adjust in complementary ways to working with other people, and, and respectful ways. Um, so that when we're talking about boundary setting, we, we probably need to make a couple of distinctions, and the one, the one that I want to sort of look at today is the difference between when we're talking about boundary setting for normal people compared to people of low conscience and pathologically personality disordered. Um, so what are we talking about when we talk about people who are pathologically um, character disordered? We're talking about people who would would demonstrate traits or are full-blown in... Um, Uh, narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, or um, uh, psychopaths. Um, So by their very nature, these people need the most parameters set for them, um, but they're also the people that are um, least likely to take any of that into regard um, and have become very skilled throughout the course of their life in finding ways around people's parameters or getting you to, to uh, violate your own boundaries and then wonder what on ha- what on earth you you did that for. And that's both in terms of um, professional life and personal life that these people are highly skilled at finding ways around the limits that you set for them. Um, and you know twisting you inside out so that even though you set a perfectly clear boundary, they have really, if they're very extroverted, they're, they've got low anxiety. They're very, um, you know, they're, they're intelligent, got a good command of language. Then they will use that to put you into confusion and make you doubt, um, while they blatantly do whatever they whatever they want. That's that can be part of the the kind of skill set, um, and this means that uh, we're going to be twisting ourselves inside out. Uh, trying to set boundaries only to find that in the context of dealing with pathologically character-disordered people, time and time again those boundaries will be ignored, rolled over, or got around with uh, a degree of um, some kind of um, confusing, semi-plausible explanation why that had to absolutely be the case. And, and cons- that is one of the consistencies, that time and time again, when we're in um, dynamics with low-conscience people who aren't prodded by too much by excessive empathy, guilt, shame, embarrassment, um, contriteness uh, for their behaviours, um, who are highly fast-paced, low in anxiety and um, very opportunistic about their own needs... Um, and quite comfortable taking risks, um, then this is quite a devastating combination to come up against. So when we're talking about boundary violations in a a normal kind of context dealing with what we would call, and I understand these are are challenging to define categories, but if we're talking about people who demonstrate uh, a normal range of functioning, um, then um, boundary violations tend to happen um, often inadvertently or accidentally, maybe because um, we, we come from a, a different kind of culture to one another. So what I mean by that is if we come from different family cultures, then our, what was okay in one family system um, might not have been okay in another family system. So sometimes we can inadvertently... Um, uh, irritate or clash or uh, accidentally offend each other because, you know, I start talking about um, money and asking you questions about money because in my family system, everybody talked very openly and easily about money. Um, and you you find that actually um, quite affronting because in your family system, nobody talked about money. Um, or, you know, my family, we talked about politics, your family, we didn't talk about politics or vice versa. Your family was very open about Having different religious beliefs, whereas my family was very rigid. That in and and you know there was there was one set of unquestionable beliefs regarding family. So when we talk about people of a, a normal range of functioning and a, and a, a what we would consider to be a normal brain neurology, um, then yes, there can be moments of accidental slip up. And there can be moments where under stress, maybe I I didn't deliver something as eloquently as I could or I I, uh, had a reactive um, uh, communicational exchange with you. But there's a degree of openness and willingness. And when we have a boundary discussion, there's a a sense of um, wanting to get to a place of equality, mutual respect. We use this experience to understand each other more effectively and then from then on, ideally, um, that experience is not repeated uh, because, okay, we've learned this about each other. We want to, um, either in the workplace or in a personal dynamic, have a stronger, more intimate, more authentic, more effective dynamic between the two of us that creates win-win results. Um, So yes, we're going to have conversations around boundary adjustments But it's more educational and and then ideally, depending on um, our relationship and our willingness, then we make adjustments and ideally that that doesn't happen again or happens a lot lot less regularly or a lot less intensely. However, if we're talking about people who um, are on the pathological character disturbed or personality disordered side of things um this is this is not the same um i when we're talking about two people of a fairly healthy functional neurology then sometimes the intent behind communication is um we're working with each other um whereas people who are highly exploitive and low in in uh test very low in terms of conscience and empathy and remorse. Um, these people tend to use communication more as an exploitive tool. Um, so I will I know what to say but my intent is not to build a relationship uh, built on mutuality and knowing and seeing each other but rather my intent is um, maneuvering strategy and exploitation. For, for my own personal gain um, what happens to you in that well that's entirely um, uh, inconsequential or I I would believe that you've brought it on yourself by being so naive what kind of a fool is so transparent and tells me everything I need to know um, you, you you know and and if I'm of a low conscience then I'm probably thinking well you deserve to be exploited if you if you approach communication like that um, and so from that perspective, what we know is we can have conversations about boundaries, and they might say all the right words and then go and do whatever they want. Um, so that we will find that the boundaries continue to remain completely ignored, um, uh, time and time again. That that is one sometimes one of the consistent red flags. Um, this might also, it's, it's worth noting because this, this, these are very complex dynamics and we're not very good yet either professionally or personally in being able to track these individuals who excel at, um, exploitation and, uh, the manoeuvres that let them get away with that. Because if we're talking about, um, uh, people with very low conscience, uh, the unsuccessful ones are the ones who end up in prison or get caught for fraud or, you know, sacked from the business. The ones that are successful manage to behave um, in exploitive, damaging ways, but never quite get caught. Um, th- those are the ones. And unfortunately, some of the research suggests that there are more people out there who, um, the idea is that one in 100 people statistically um, has some uh, would be on the low conscience spectrum. Um, and I might talk about low conscience spectrum stuff in, in other particular episodes. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm highly prone to opportunistic exploitation uh, without being plagued by excessive anxiety or concern for the, how the outcome affects you um, or um I have a cognitive sense of empathy um, because, again, I have to have some idea of empathy, empathy if I'm any good at exploiting people. Uh, because people who are not good enough at reading people, in the end, um, it's it's unsustainable. They'll they'll get flushed out. So I have to have a certain understanding of how to exploit em- of emotions in order to exploit emotions. So, um, you know, if we're talking about somebody who's empathic but also pro-social, then I can see your pain and I'm going to look to make it better. Whereas if I'm antisocial social in, in my um, empathic capacities, then I'm going to see you're in pain but then look to see how I can exploit that and use that to my advantage. Um, so if you're thinking about trying to set boundaries with people like this, I would encourage you to anticipate it's going to fail, that you are going to have to have repeated series of conversations, um, that you, if you set a boundary, you have to act on it immediately. Um, you cannot allow them any idea that they can get away with it because that will only be used against you later and it escalates. Um, or they're going to, you know, they notice that you didn't step back in. Then, so how can I, I can, how can I get even more out of you? I'm not going to stop there. If I, if I can see I can get, you set limits, I exploit those limits, I'm not stopping there. I'm then going to see how far I can push this for my own advantage. So um, if you're setting boundaries at all, you have to be prepared to absolutely get in behind them or um, knowing that they will be tested, that they will be ignored, even though at the surface level the, the low conscience person has smiled at you Vowed absolutely that they will honor you and so sorry about that, and then, as I say, go off and do exactly what they want. Um, Addicts tend to be a bit the same if you're dealing with people in addictive um, issues. um, Look, whether they mean to or not, if the addiction is running the show, they will violate your boundaries. Um, They might show deep remorse afterwards. That would be the difference between. Um, you, you know, I can be an addict and I can really operate violate my own values and yours because the addiction is driving the show. Um, or like I said, if I'm pathologically low, uh, you know, I've got very low conscience, then I can violate your boundaries. But I know how to put on a song and dance and act remorseful, but I'm not actually remorseful or genuinely contrite. Or disgusted in myself at all actually I'm quite gleeful underneath but I know how to act um, and I know what you want to hear and I know what you want to believe so I so I'm going to um, put the show on um, and then like I said effectively um, go back to doing exactly what I've done or trying to push things even further um, so when we're looking at boundary setting with people that we suspect are pathologically exploitive um, and have very little, uh, issue with, with that. Um, in fact, they might be quite happy and see that as a perfectly, uh, it's a dog eat dog world, my friend, it would be stupid to do it any other way. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, these people don't necessarily have any issue with the, their kind of philosophy or approach to the world, uh, and will see us as weak and naive for vulnerability, um, uh, elements. So, we need to be prepared that we might need to um, bring in third parties to do our boundary setting. Um, so if the behavior is immoral, uh, unethical or, or illegal, um, then you, when you're dealing with these people, um, there's every opportunity that you're going to have to bring in a third party, that you're going to have to, that you will not be able to on your own necessarily, be able to set and maintain boundaries unless the pathological or low conscience person realises that by violating that boundary, they are going to expose themselves more than they want to expose themselves. Because remember, it's, you know, part of this is about, you know, being exploitive, but keeping under the radar. So um, what I'm always watching for is, you know, is somebody going to find out the actual game I'm playing? Um, And this is why it can sometimes be so powerful to pull in third parties, Um, be that, um, you know, having a third party witness um, who ideally is in some official capacity, let's say someone from HR, um, if you're talking about couples counselling and things like that, you have to find yourself a therapist who actually understands um, character disorder dynamics uh, because, Again, the research is still very new. There's lots of conflicting opinions and approaches in this particular area. Um, So understanding somebody who really gets predatory behaviour and is able to see below the social, hiding, hyper-polite, charismatic veneer that these people have fostered over time um, to get to the real dynamics. Otherwise, unfortunately... Uh, people can be well-intentioned but, but set you up for more pain and disappointment. Um, we're talking about being prepared to bring in lawyers. We're talking about being able to bring in the police. We're talking about being able to bring in medical professionals. And you have to be prepared to, to go there um, because uh, sometimes that's the only way in which boundaries will be maintained. Or you... Simply, once you recognise you're dealing with somebody in the workplace or in your personal life who is um, low conscience and highly exploitive and this is starting to really have some very serious consequences for you mentally, emotionally, financially, physically, because they they will drain you dry. Um, Once you start to get to there... then uh, sometimes the best approach is just to remove yourself from the situation. Um, But with these dynamics, the main thing that I want to talk about is the fact that standard boundary setting will not work with non-standard. You know, people have exceptional um, neurobiological makeup. That's the pathology element of some of these dynamics, Um, these extreme personalities. Um, standard boundary setting does not work in this environment. That's the main thing I want to get to you, get through to you. And you are not a failure if you cannot maintain boundaries here. You have to expect that that is one of the common dynamics that comes from dealing with, uh, pathologically character disordered people. That's what they do. They are bringing at it and they've, they've learned and practiced over years and years, um, you know, so many strategies for bound, for violating our boundaries and then also how they cover up and, and have plausible di- um, deniability. But boundary setting, when we're talking about normally functioning, normal people with normal brains, normal neurophysiology, um, normal neurobiology, um, standard boundary setting works, for the most part, great. Um, and like I said, and sometimes when we're dealing with very challenging people, it won't work at all and that is part of how you recognize um, that you, you might need to look closer at who you're dealing with if time and time again um, the boundaries are violated. So there's a lot more to say on this, there's a lot more nuance here, um, but again we're getting around the, the, the point where the episode is, uh, uh, is about the customary episode length, so it's probably all I wanna kind of talk about at this particular point. Um, But I hope this offers you a a bit more to considerate, to considerate, well, to consider in the broader context of boundaries and um, not only that, but but context to context, individual to individual, how the subtleties and nuances of boundary setting, boundary maintaining and boundary articulation um, uh, changes. So apart from that, thank you so much. Uh, Really hope you enjoyed the uh, episode. Um, Again, if you've been following along with the episode for a long period of time, my profoundest thanks to you. Um, If you've just joined us, hope you enjoyed the episode, found it uh, uh, offered some food for thought, so to speak. And if you want to continue to support the show, which we'd be delighted uh, if you would, of course, uh, please go to iTunes, download, subscribe and leave a five-star review as it makes it uh, easier uh, for people to uh, get access to this kind of education. And I'm very passionate um, uh, about that. Um, also, if you want to reach out, training.com.au, as well as iTunes, the podcast show is available on Stitcher, Podbean and other podcast mediums. And um, please pop over and check us out on YouTube to Sean Healy Relationship Resourcing Series, where we look Uh, uh, a lot of the similar sort of stuff, um, but through the medium of YouTube. So um, thank you once again for listening, and until next time, bye for now.